Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Roundtable Podcast, where we interview experts who tackle the tough topics and share strategies and techniques that will help you start, build, and grow your real estate investing business. And now your host, Rob the House Guy. Hey, welcome to the Real Estate Investors Roundtable, where we interview real investors that are active in the market right now today. I'm your host, Rob the House Guy, and today we have two powerhouse investors and entrepreneurs with us. We have Bob LaChance out of Connecticut. Welcome, Bob. Thank you. And we have Amy Ransdell out of Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, thanks for being here. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having us. So let's start and get a little bit of background here. Uh, Bob, go ahead and tell me a little bit about how you got started in the whole real estate game. I started about 2004. Prior to that, played uh, professional hockey for eight years. Um, got drafted actually by the Stanley Cup champions, St. Louis Blues, back in, this is going way back, uh, back in 1992. Um, and then I played uh, college hockey at Boston University, won a national championship, championship there, then uh, played my first two years in Worcester, then in Indianapolis, and then Orlando, and then off to Europe for four years. That's awesome. Then that transition into real estate, how? Well, I left one class early <laughs> from getting my degree, so I had no choice but to either go back to school or uh, start knocking on doors and buying houses. So I chose to not go back to school. Awesome. So now, Amy, were you also a hockey player? <laughs> no, um, I, although I, I had the scars well. Um, but no, I was an um, uh, art major. I was an art major. I was actually a biochem major who got an art degree. It's like a really long, crazy story. I ended up in real estate accidentally. Um, way in, at a good time when we were, um, we could pick up short sales and so forth off the street. It was awesome. And I've been doing it for 18 years. But I'm also, I'm a, both an investor and a real estate broker. And our brokerage specializes in real estate investing. Okay, awesome. So let me dive in a little bit. You said picking up short sales. So you got started in the short sale business. The only funnel I worked from 01 to 09 was pre-foreclosure, and the majority that we went after were short sales. And we identified ourselves uniquely against everybody else because we made a system for it and we rocked it. So we were the ones that everybody brought those to because we could get them done. Wow. So how did the two of you... Start working together because clearly I'm not a geography major, but Connecticut and Atlanta are like 42 miles apart. It's funny. <laughs> I think we met back in 2005, 2006. Um, my ex-business partner, um, him and I were doing short sales as well in Connecticut. And we started doing some speaking on stage and we helped uh, start this coaching program down in Florida. With another, Naples, Florida. Yeah, Naples, Florida. Um, and then she was one of the students and that's where we met him. And uh, we just started, she actually helped me create what's called a short sale flagship system. It created a short sale course and all due respect, she pretty much wrote 98.2% of it. <laughs> I helped a little bit, but I took credit for it. So I'm sorry about that. Amy. This so is back, back in the days yeah. when you had like, you know, binders and CDs oh, that yeah. you gave people. As was this whole big, we had this massive box. We would mail them with our short sale. And budget. she's always been incredible in marketing. So fast forward. Um, investing all these years in short sales, commercial deals. Uh, we every, had, the, every we had the blogs and everything over we the years. We had the blogs, yep. Um, and then when I started a virtual assistant company back in about five years ago, 2014, um, we started talking again, um, fell off the grid for a little bit because our investing careers went in different space because the short sale world was not the short sale world right. anymore. Um, and then when my virtual assistant company started getting bigger and bigger, um, we brought her on as the uh, chief marketing officer. So this whole show is going to be about 
lead cultivation and nourishment. So bringing that back to how long ago, because you know we're all here 20 years plus in the business. I know, but let's share with the viewers how different it was cultivating a lead back in 2001 versus 2019. I I don't think you're probably using the same methods. No. (laughs) So let's take you back to 01. You're a starving art major, and you've already been cut from the hockey team. And we're trying to we're trying to buy some houses. I like to call it retirement. He likes to call it yeah, retirement. Retirement at 19. I hear you. Exactly. You know, I I remember, and you probably do too, that the lead source was literally the local newspaper. And so we'd sit there when the print came, we called it print week, the list would come out of paper closures, we have yellow highlighters and the big map books that are in a spiral binder. And then you'd like flag out all the houses you're gonna go door knock and then try to make a direct mail list as quickly as you could. I'm in a short state in Georgia, so we didn't have much time to get those mailers out. But that was it, that was your lead source. And there was a lot of manual work to make that happen. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I know what you're saying. Like how quickly from missing a payment to losing the house was it back then? Uh, well, in our state, well, it's 90 days default that they could put them up, you know, on the list. It doesn't mean that they always did. Right. But the problem we had in our state was that we called it, it's a short state, so we only had 21 days between the day it was released and then the public record to the day they were cried it at the courthouse. So we had to talk about nurturing a lead quickly. Um, we had to get mail and door knocks in their hands, like, right away. And then we had to touch them at least, you know, five, seven, maybe nine times as fast as possible because we had very little time to negotiate anything before auction. So. Wow. I remember those days. Yeah. <laughs> little little different story. I'm in Connecticut, never-ending foreclosure uh, timeline. So I literally, I first, my business partner, uh, Pat, when I first met him, he handed me a little stack of pre-foreclosures and a script. And he goes, all right, time to learn, kid. I'm like, what are you talking about? So I literally, I went from, from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. every single Monday through Friday, door knocked. So I door knocked, and then I would go home, I'd skip trace, all of the, you know, go to 401.com, and then I would do phone calls at night. So literally, my wife was ready to kill me by doing phone calls all night. So I'm working oh all day long. But it was, uh, it was a great, I'll tell you one thing. It's such a great way to learn real estate from ground up yeah. to door knock, get doors closed in your face, and just learn the business. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I was blessed, like you being in the Cleveland market here. Like, you'd have foreclosures that would take five years. I mean, there'd be phantom <laughs> foreclosures. Like, they would just, like, just forget about it. I just, I just recently met with a lady the other day, and she hasn't made a payment in like three years, yeah. and it's not even active. She had a bankruptcy, and then she just got it dismissed, not even discharged, and just, just he goes, yeah, she goes, she didn't really came back after me, just got to sit in there. I'm like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's great. Well, we, we recently had one that was a million-dollar house, and they had 270000 in arrears payments. They hadn't paid their house payment in five years either in the Atlanta market. Wow. Um, but they'd been playing the, uh, the bankruptcy game. So as many times as they could file it, they'd been doing that, rotating yeah. in and out. Oh my gosh. So now let's let's fast forward now to modern day. Are we still knocking on doors to, to cultivate the I'll leads? I'll tell you what I'm not doing is knocking on doors. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Um, I prim- uh, primarily actually pull, um, I'm a real flow user, okay. so I pull from uh, premium lead pipes. Right. So I pull lists, um, get them skip traced, and have my virtual assistants outbound dial and you know, gauge seller motivation. That's how I start the process. And I use the same system, and so like we've generated 90 leads for my team since January, since July 3rd. 90 leads or prospects ready to sell, or right. or interested in uh, entertaining an offer leads. Interested in entertaining an offer. So when you're pulling these the lead pipes, yep. are you one offing? Are you hunting with a bow and arrow or a shotgun? Are you just saying 
download 500, run them through skip trace, and hit them all. You know, there's a couple of different ways to look at that. Um, there are score leads, obviously, what means, and you could touch upon that a little more. But right now, I am not using those. I know you are. Um, they are way better leads, the ones I lead. I just pull, right now I'm pulling pre-foreclosures, and I'm pulling out-of-state owners and get them skip traced. And I, I just shotgun. We're coming off of, obviously, the cold season into the hot season, and what I'm looking for are tired landlords. Tired landlords. Could you dive into the scoring for us real quick? So um, using AI, there, now we have access to data that we've never had access to before. And so you're able to actually, um, using data points, be able to reach out to people who have a higher propensity to sell than someone else just based upon their behavior and some demographic data about them. And so that's something, again, this different from 01, right? That now we have all of that to be able to aggregate down. So I can actually call somebody that might not hit any of the lists that we most commonly think of. You know, I can call condemnations, I can call evictions, I can call code violations, I can call probate. There's all those things out there that are motivationally qualified leads. They, they might want to sell, right? But this system, the scored lead system, actually determines somebody's propensity to sell that might not be in any of those lists. And that's why her percentage is better than mine. <laughs> okay, so you are truly like with the bow and arrow. You are laser beam. So be, from a guy that can barely check his email here, let's go ahead and define AI. Because I'm sure there's other people going, what's this AI stuff you're talking about? Yeah. <laughs> so let's just, to make it simple, let's just say that this is um, data. This really all it comes down to is that we now have access to millions of points of data that's been collected for you know the last 50, 60 years. And so you're able to take a look at all of that and be able to hone in on trends that support that somebody's going to come to a point where they're ready to sell based upon that data. And then on top of that, be able to stack motivational qualifiers. So if somebody is already at a place where maybe they have an aged origination date on their mortgage and they're in a certain type of neighborhood, a certain size home, that all says, hey, it's a higher ratio based upon data that certain they'd be ready group. to sell, certain age group, and then you stack on top of that that they hit the pre-foreclosure list or they hit some a probate scenario or something. Now you talk about that bow and arrow. Now you really know that there's enough factors there that they might be in a place before you they even realize it that they might be wanting to consider an offer well i've always found that the right message to the right person at the right time is key it's being oh, the yeah. it's being the goodyear blimp over someone with a flat tire at that time <laughs> yeah. so yeah. are you when you are putting this together with your bow and arrow type marketing are you talking directly to that person you're not just saying Hey, I buy houses. Oh, yeah. So so what we're doing with our cold calling system is that we're literally calling straight to the horse. I mean, we're just saying, hey, I'm calling, you know, Joe Smith, your house at 123 Main Street. Have you thought about selling it? I mean, we literally go that straightforward. Direct to seller. Direct to seller. Sending them a letter and saying, hey, I hope you actually answer it. It's right to them. Right. This is not just um, farming and territory and hoping that they are ready and therefore call me. I'm now putting it right in front of them, yes. and then we nur nurture it beyond that. And so that includes some direct mail. Okay, so when you're doing, you're doing the exact same system, correct? Yep, correct. Except Aside from I'm doing a shotgun approach to a different list, and different she's doing the score leads, which I'm going to be obviously implementing since the results are fantastic. <laughs> yeah, they are fantastic, not just for investment deals, but also for listings. So you're using a, a VA with your AI. <laughs> so your virtual assistant with your artificial intelligence. And so no more you knocking on doors. How many... I guess, quote unquote, door knockers do you have right now with these virtual assistants? Right now we have a team of, I believe it's 20 right now. 
um, that are just calling on a variety, probably about a handful of individuals, right? And I'm me included, Amy included. We're calling on several markets, so we have a nice test base to look at. So you have 20 people on auto dialers, I'm guessing, because all the data is going in, the skip trace data is going right. in. So, you know, when you find Joe Smith at 123 Main mm -hmm. Street, you have his four or five numbers that it could be yep. right there, uploading the system, and then you're just hammering them. Someone's sitting with a headset on, hey, all I'm right. calling myself, I'm going to sell myself. How many calls of 20 people yep. are you going through in an hour? Well, so I'll break it down per day. Um, each VA could get through, so if you we'll call them records, right? If you input records into a dialer. They could get through anywhere from 600 to eight to 900 dials, records, on a daily basis. So we look at about a connect rate at about 25 to 28%. Um, so that means connect, someone picks up exactly. the phone. And that has to do with, if you, if you really look at data, I know we're getting deep in here, but um, you look at mobile phones and landlines, they're different connect rates, right? Because mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I never pick up my home phone. You have a home phone? Yeah, I was waiting for that one. <laughs> That's always the other side of it. Um, and the mobile phones are through the roof connect rate. Yeah. So and out of that. And they have get, a slower dialer speed. Yep, slower. And there's a different rules behind the scenes that our VAs can and can't do, which we won't get into. But the average um, is about 25 to 20%. And then the ITS rate, which means um, the prospect rate, someone raised their hand and said, yes, I would love to entertain an offer. ITS, is that about I mean, interested to sell. Interested to sell. Okay, that, thank you. Yeah. She read That's my right. mind. This is our lingo, right? <laughs> I was like, I don't know what ITS is. Yeah. <laughs> interested to sell or right, you know, they, they would love to accept an offer, right? Um, that has about anywhere between 1.5% to 2.5%. So 1.5% to 2.5%. Of the connected. Uh, of the connected. That was my yeah. question. So really, what we're breaking it down to if you're looking at a 0.5 to 2%, that's what you get on direct mail. Yeah. The same thing. So it, it just carried over to a different medium now. In right. modern, but you're able in that different medium to have a different way of connecting and right. you're getting a higher open rate, if you will. Correct. All right. Correct. Very that's interesting. Where to put it. Right? All right. I'm just kind of wrapping my head around this sure. whole thing here. Yeah. All right. So this all sounds great. I mean, I'm sure that our viewers are ready to turn off their video right now because they're overwhelmed. They're thinking, I don't have room for 20 people at my kitchen table. Where do I get all these phone lines? This is way over my head. I'm going to go knock on some doors. So I guess it's pretty cool as a shameless plug that, you know, RealFlow has this, right. that they can provide this for their power users to go out there and just plug into the system. And it's kind of a, a done for you yep. type yes. thing. And actually done for you even more because one of the things that's really exciting about it to me is that it automates all of the follow-up part because all of us know as investors we get a lead, we get a prospect, we call them the one time and they don't answer the phone and then we get busy and then it doesn't, they don't get properly taken care of through the cycle until they become a deal, right? That is a great lead-in to exactly what I was going to talk about. Oh, sweet. It, it's the nurturing part of this. Yeah. It's so important. The, the money is always in the follow-up, and that's where it always seemed to, um, for so many investors, they get lazy, and they call, and they hear no, and no just means no for now. Because right. time and circumstances will change people's minds, and you just have to be there at that right time. And I know when I first started, that was my biggest problem. So what we would do is I would door knock and I would also direct mail and outbound dial. But how many times do you think I'd call them? Once. Mm -hmm. They didn't answer. I'd leave a message. I would never call them back. And then I'd get busy because I would get another list. It would stack on top of each other, <laughs> make another call. So it's a, it's, you know, it just boils down and goes on top of each other and just, it's, you lose it. But statistically, you have to. Yeah, it's like going to the gym one time wanting yep. results. 
Yeah. Is that, oh, great one. Yeah. Yes. So the statistics that um, we've been finding both on the investor side and the agent side is about 70% of all properties that we have ever bought were on follow-up. Mm-hmm. You know, not on the first one, right? Hey, knock on the door. Hey, you want to sell my house? You know, I can't tell you how many times that ever happened. They ever raise their hand and say, yeah, I'll sell. Right I'll buy it right now. Yeah, I'll give you my house. It, it doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that... Um, because I feel like we're so archaic. Like all of us have gone back so far. It was like we were cavemen and women back there with like this, oh, you know, fire and everything. And now we're using the internet. It's just, it's nuts to think about because we've gone through all this. And I'm guilty because I've been doing this for so long. And you guys are in multiple markets. I'm in one market. I'm in Northeast Ohio for, you know, 22 years, we're a thousand deals, all done, know everybody. So I'm lazy. I get deals a lot handed to me. So I don't go through all of that. And I remember the one time I actually went through the whole nurturing system through using the real full stuff where it does the follow-ups. And it was the best deal I ever did only because I was so hands-off in it. I had I had used search engine optimization just like half just like half cocked through it out there and it worked. They got into my funnel, it did a follow-up, and I ended up buying a house from someone that I never had a conversation with, and it was the most amazing thing. And it worked so well, I decided to never do it again. That's exactly right. <laughs> I decided to go back to what I do. Yeah, because the best follow-up campaigns, think about it. You first get your lead in, whether it's direct mail or outbound dialing, and then it comes in, right, to, to you send out a letter of intent, and then you send out another email, you send out a call, you send them a piece of mail, and you really lay that out for a six-month process because it takes about, on average, six months from that lead to come in to close that deal, four to six months. So all of that lead nurture time, you have to set a system up inside that time. You gotta stay on their radar. Yeah. So when they're ready, our phrase in my office is, uh, we're ready when you're ready. But we stay on their radar so much that they have no choice but to be ready when we're ready. I mean, like, so they're, gonna call, they're going to call us eventually, but they're going to call me before they call anybody else because I'm the one that's continually, we, we call it scratching their emotional muscle memory. Like, I'm literally on the edge <laughs> like of that. their brain all the time. So when that moment comes that that motivation is finally hit or they're actually, you know, the house got the house ready for sale, whatever it is, we're the first call they make because we never gave up. So we've established consistency. We've established presence. We've established that we're relevant, we're real, and and we're authentic. Hey, this is Andy from RealFlow. And a couple of the most common things we hear from our listeners are, I want to become a real estate investor, but I don't know where to start. Or, I have a real estate investing business, but I'm having trouble scaling. We took these to heart and decided to create the Real Estate Investing Lifecycle, a downloadable PDF which lays out the six foundational steps required to run a successful real estate investing business. You can download your copy today at reilifecycle.com slash start. Happy investing. Okay, so I'm sure that a lot of the people watching are wondering, how are you handling all the rejection? Because people don't like being told no and having doors slammed in their face. How do you guys deal with that? Well, for me, it's easy. Um, I have my virtual assistants do all of that heavy lifting for me, so I'm not the one getting the, the door slammed right in my face. So that's what, that's what I do. And you're taking it head on. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not. So the same thing, all of our follow-up is handled on the VA side. So the cool thing about um, the cold calling process is that there's, you know, thousands of records that you might start with, thousands of addresses. We're not going through all of those non-working numbers and voicemails and hangups and flat out rejections, right? The virtual assistants are trained on how to handle that in volume. So our team is only handling the ones that are we call a warm transfer. They're, they're At this point, we know that they've said, hey, I'm interested to sell. They're not maybe as interested as we want them to be or as motivated as they need to.
to be, but they're definitely not going to scream at us. Now let's talk about the good side, the almost unbelievable side of this is as I'm listening to you tell me about this, it's just my mind is working and I'm picturing you're starting out day one. Day one, you're hitting how many calls? You have 20 people and how many calls did you, I think you told me. Let's say on average 800. 800 per person? Per person per day. You have that. Out of those, you have a percentage that go well. Mm -hmm. And then those get put into a trickle system follow-up or nurturing. Day two, everyone showed back up. It happens again. <laughs> they get put back in there. It's a day beautiful three. ground dog hit. By ground, day ground five, <laughs> it just seems like you have such a monstrosity run. I'm not talking, this isn't like years and years of building this. I'm talking a week of consistency with yeah. what you're describing can almost take you from the scrawny kid getting kicked sand in his face on the beach to Arnold Schwarzenegger in five days. Right. Like you are just probably blowing up with opportunities in a yeah. week. Yes. Yeah. So my next question is, how in the heck do you handle that kind of volume when you're set back and you've got the people handling the hot ones? One or two ways you could do it. You could turn it off to catch up because that's what happens a lot or just turn it down during the week. So that's what we do. We do that. So we'll, we call, I call it pacing. So I just simply control, like if I say I really only want to have one warm, one warm transfer per day, for instance, then I will just turn, I'll have the, the team turn off calling my list for the remainder of the day once I receive one. And that helps us on the long run, which, you know, I, I always picture that in our office, you know, the big carrot graph. And so it does get like that. And we have more and more and more on the back end, right? Um, but then the virtual assistants also are helping with the nurture calls. So even if I have a warm transfer and they say to me, yeah, but I'm not ready to sell until four months from now, that gets kicked back to the follow-up nurture VAs for them to continue following up with them over those four months until they're ready when we're ready. So Wow. We're ready and when they're ready. This is a good spot just to say takeaway, and this is a writer downer. If there's one thing that everyone should be taking away from this is it sounds like you have an ironclad systems and processes set up. It is like dialed in. Like walking into a fast food restaurant, they're not guessing how they're gonna get your burger and fries right. to you. Not that you've ever had a burger and fries, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying for me, I can tell you how efficiently it gets there. Yep. <laughs> and it sounds the same way versus you're, you're very purposeful in what you're doing versus a lot of real estate investors are very reactionary. Yes. And they're sort of walking out going, hey, vacant house, lock on the door. Oh, I don't know. Hey, I got to take a phone call. I got a tenant calling me. Yep. And it's just you're kind of flying around and you're not really getting anywhere. And that's amazing how you have developed this. A lot of trial and error, though. <laughs> There's a lot of trial and error. Too, oh, my goodness. I can only imagine. Yeah, but it's good. You know what? You, if you Just like in anything else, if you set up a system and a process, you got to do it consistently. If you do it for one month, you know, you may have success, but it's not really going to be real success. We talked about that before, about consistency. So it's something you have to do repeatedly every single day, every single month. Just say, I mean, if you're not marketing every day, you're, you're not in business. Right. And, I, and I'll just add, too, that you're talking about the volume, right? Okay, so 70% of your closing, 70% additional closings will come if you institute a follow-up campaign, right? So you can actually work with less volume and have more closings. 
because you've now initiated something that converts more. And that's where, again, a lot of investors go wrong. They'll like blow thousands of dollars at direct mail campaigns, and they're spending $6,500, $10,000 a month on these you know, large farming campaigns. I have lots of colleagues that do and they this. And they have 100 leads that they're not following up 100 with. leads are not following up with. And so I had a guy call me the other day, and he's got 2,800 dead leads, he said, in his system. I'm like, dead leads? What are you talking about? He goes, well, there are people that called and did a one-off call, and they never have ever called them again. And I'm like, well, how much money did you spend to get the 2,800 people to call you in the first place? Right? And so, again, a good nurture system, at, at the end of the day, you end up spending a hell of a lot less for a lot more conversion. That's the key. Well, that's what you always have to do. It's, it's all just numbers. Business, all businesses are exactly the same, just your back-end product's different. Right. So when you're looking at spending, let's say, $1,000 on direct mail or $1,000 in phone calls or however you're doing it, and if you're getting 10 people that want to talk to you, right. that is $100 per phone call. Uh-huh. And then if you get you know, two good deals out of that, it costs you $500 per lead. It's yeah. a home run. And Yeah, and yeah, that's right. – well, back in our day, yeah. it used to be that's how the old $500 finder's fee came to be in right. my world because it used to be 500 But now it seems – that we're like at forty seven hundred to about seven thousand yep. yeah. per yep. deal. Yeah, I'm hearing uh, average six thousand eight hundred is the number I keep hearing on average. Everywhere I go, I ask, I ask, and we boil it down around around six to seven thousand. A lot of groups uh, across the country as a whole. Numbers, yeah. But I believe a lot Position of costs. I believe a lot of that is because people are spending so much on direct mail, and they're overspending on it, mm-hmm. and they're not sending the right message to the right person at the right time, right. and they're just blindly throwing it out there, and exactly what you said, that they're not following up, I, it's amazing. So this is a whole other way of thinking of things, because when you're talking to somebody and doing a hot live transfer, mm-hmm. it's a lot different than having a postcard that you're never going right. to talk to the person. Yeah. yeah, it's the focus lead, the score leads like you talked about. You put that together with the nurture system, that's what's going to give you, over time, that's going to give you those great returns. Yeah, and the nurture system is just so key. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just unbelievable. It's funny, we've been talking that for, about that for years upon years upon yeah. years, but it's so important. Yes, it's, oh, it's, 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 a, it's everything. Oh, I mean, and our office, that's how we run our office for years. Like, I didn't, I've never thought of anything other than that. So but my team's, my core value in our team, one of our core values, um, the funny one, is that we follow up until the house sells to someone else or we get a restraining order. Like, that's just <laughs> the rule, right? Because, I mean, we've worked too hard to get them to call us in the sure. first place. I'm not letting go of that thing. Be a, be a pit bull, bite in, and right. hold on. And Until the house sells or you get a restraining order. <laughs> I may make a sign like that in my office. <laughs> that is great. <laughs> so I know that in my market, Cleveland is a very, very crowded space. But exactly what you said is the follow-up. I've called a lot of these postcards because I get because I close a lot of stuff. I get a lot of those postcards saying I buy a house. It is rare I ever get a live person on the other end or anyone that ever calls me back. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's great. So let me ask you this. What is the, the market's going to be the best chance for success? Wh- who are you hitting? What is your, I know this, and this is probably like Coca-Cola. Tell me, what is your recipe that makes it so much better than all the other pops out there? I, mean, I have my, I've always loved um, tax lien lists, right? Because um, if not, they're not paying their property, and there's property tax liens. I understand. If they're not paying their property taxes, there's something going on, mm-hmm. right? And that's, that's my number one. Um, Eviction lists are also very, very good because there's literally, I can't say no competition, but barely any competition because typically you have to work to compile that list. But I, I still love pre-foreclosure and I love non-owner occupies. I, I, would, I would add to that, um, code violations, condemnations, probates, we love. And then we just happen to, we love to call, we know our market very well, so we love to call aged owner, aged mortgage lists. You know, if I know the origination date is, you know, 20 years out and I've got an older owner, that's going to be somebody that's probably thinking about 
where they're going to move next. So when we go back to some of this data you're talking about, this doesn't seem like readily available data, like eviction list and, and condemnation list. Yeah. How are you compiling these lists? Is this something that you... <laughs> You don't have to tell me. Is there a system out there that just gets done? I can, I can done? tell you. We, we personally have our virtual assistants do it. Like for me, that's what I have. They go on the county website and they, you know, there's a whole process behind the scenes and they do it that way. County by county. Yeah. They, county can, by they county. can pull the information online and if it doesn't have contact info, they skip trace and then they find them. And again, it's all done for us. So they're doing all the research. They pull it. They research it. They contact it. They find the owner. They don't. I don't find out about it until it's a warm lead. So what they do is you take all that. You compile that data, mm -hmm. then you take all that and put it in the dialer for the next day for the people to go and start calling. Correct. Yep. Wow. So you keep talking about skip trace. Mm. What's the best skip trace for dummy? First of all, a lot of people don't know what skip trace is. Skip trace, yeah. keep, why don't you describe, tell me, what is skip trace? Um, to, again, to keep it as simple as possible, you're just simply finding the most associated phone number or phone numbers for a property owner, right? Um, and so, for instance, within RealFlow, for the lead pipes, uh, premium level, they'll be able to do that right there within the system that they can actually have the list pull the most associated phone number for the property owner. So they're, again, the skip tracing companies that are out there that provide that, that's what they're doing. They're just hunting the phone records. They're hunting Based the upon the owners, where they live, not the property, but where they live. So this can be very easy, like real flow with their lead pipe stream, they, they'll be able to do this for you now. Correct. Yeah. Correct. All right. So shameless plug talking about real flow, but but it's good. It, hey, I, I use it, so I, I, wait, I do too. It, 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 I, and I do too. <laughs> I do too. And it's 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 funny because there's some things you we almost dance around wanting to talk about. I was like, well, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to sell yeah. this stuff, but it's like being a mechanic and having a, a torque wrench. It's like I can't help but talk about it because it makes the job easy. Right. Right. You know, it just makes it to be a simple. It's, it's right there, and again, you know, I use it, so no reason for do a, a shameless plug. It's it works great. Wow, so you're doing all these these deals. I'm not going to go into what you do with because that's what you do with the properties once you get them and the whole. So that that could be a whole another show we could be yep. sitting here talking about. For someone that is just getting started, someone that let's say they're in the door knocking phase right now. Maybe they have knocked a couple of doors. Maybe they sent out a hundred dollars in postcards and never followed up. What would you suggest they try doing? What would be the? How could they go to the next step? I would. Get educated on negotiating, right? Um, because that's where I see where a lot of them, a lot of uh, new beginners. I mean, when, me personally, when I first started, because I was just going after short sales, and that was the only thing that I knew how to go after. I would learn how to rehab, learn how to wholesale, and learn how to do maybe owner financing or buy and holds, and have that as as a menu. Not only that, if you're an agent, that's besides the point. But um, I would educate myself first on negotiation to have a way to make money off of those leads. Yeah, different exit strategies, yeah. Yep. Or engineering transactions, different ways, yeah. That's probably a good one. I'll tell you what, you know what I love about this business? I, I, don't, I can't think of any other industry in the world. My friend owned a big manufacturing plant. And literally, if people wanted to come to their plant, they would take their cell phones, make sure they had no recording devices, they would check them on the way and check them way out, there were no windows. I mean, everything was such trade secrets that they held so close. And in this industry, we have powerhouses sitting here that literally took the stairs so everyone else can take the elevators. And, and like, you're saying, oh no, here's how I did it, and check this out, and here's what I did here, and here's what I find, and here's the list I hit, and here's what I say, and here's how I negotiate. So really, there's no reason in the world why anyone watching this shouldn't do exactly what you're saying to take it to the next level. 
Well, I agree because, you know, through the years, obviously I started, I said before, in 2004, and I tried probably every marketing campaign and every different way to, to drive in leads. And right now, today, I'm finding that this is the best way for me in my office in Connecticut. Wow. Do you find that with this new method, because this is pretty new, there's not a lot of people doing what you're doing, right? that it's starting to catch on and you're getting any of the sellers saying you're the fourth call this week, where my mailbox is stuffed with postcards. It Okay, so I'm, I'm just going to say, yeah, that does happen in certain markets. Um, but again, where you uniquely stand yourself apart is if you're doing the follow-up. Because the problem is, is that most of the guys that are actually doing it, no different than back in, I remember before the last big shift in the market, when we'd go to someone's mailbox and there'd be so much direct mail in there, it's like falling on the ground, right? And so our best mailer back then was a garbage bag. We, gave, we sent to the homeowner and said, throw all the other stuff in here and call us because right, it was one of our best converting mailers. But the same thing's happening now, right? Other investors are trying it. But the same thing back then applies now. I got the deals back then because I never, ever forgot to follow up. So the same thing happens. Don't even worry if someone else is calling a homeowner and they say you're the fourth call because you're also going to call them 10 more times over the next six months. One call and they're done. Same thing with, with mail. Typically they have one direct mail piece right. and they're done. That's it. They don't ever, ever come back. So we, we have established that you're calling them. Yep. Now you're, ha you're touching them six, seven times more after that if necessary, correct? Yep. How? Are you, are you emailing? Are you texting? Are you direct mailing? Are you knocking on doors as well? Nope. We got first one is obviously the, the transfer, and then it goes to an email letter of intent, and then it goes to a call, and then we send another piece of mail. So it's on a month basis. So we do it for a six-month process. So for each particular one um, interested warm transfer, we do a six-month campaign for each one of them. A six-month campaign yeah. for each one of them. Yeah. And then we have, if we want to, while the VAs are, and while we're automating all of the stuff that you just mentioned, all that's automated, right? So while that's all happening, you can also have your manual field reps go and knock on their door and do all of the other traditional methods, right? But the cool thing is, is that if your field reps don't do that, you're still getting in front of them multiple different ways and, and making sure they know you're ready when they're ready. Wow. So last question I'm going to ask you here. Well, I'm lying. It's at the last. I'm going to have two more questions. But one, what's the long game for you guys? Like right now, you've basically discovered fire again from the caveman yep. days. You know, now we've, we've taken this level. What's your long game? Where would you see yourself like 10 years from now? So for me, it's buying, you know, um, for me, it's making short-term money with wholesaling, rehabbing, et cetera, to buy long-term passive income. That's really, for me personally, I own, I just sold a commercial building. I own one commercial building. I invest in a couple of syndications. So for me, it's long-term passive income. I would say exactly the same thing, diversify different ways. So I always tell people I want to be a loan shark and a slumlord and sit on my catamaran in the keys. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if I can do everything from my laptop, right? But long-term passive income, same here. So now I have another question I have to ask. With all of this technology that you're using for finding the short-term gains, the real quick I guess the um, quick nickel versus the slow dime. Yeah. Are you utilizing any of these skills or tools for your long-term holdings, using all this exact stuff to target your big commercial long-term hold projects? So for me, I have not started targeting commercial buildings yet um, because I'm investing right now passively, more on the syndication side rather than the management side locally in Connecticut. And Connecticut taxes are extremely high, so I'm looking outside the state, <laughs> and that's just, you know, it's the state I live in, so I have to look up elsewhere. 
But now we're pulling, um, when we pull lists, even from the uh, lead pipes premium and real flow, um, we're including multifamily and we're including trailers. And in my market, <laughs> trailers are good. So um, we like those. Uh, so I'm, I, we are looking for that. But then a lot of it also comes to just back what you said about negotiations, becoming a good transaction engineer. So any property that comes through this process, one of the first things we're looking at is how can I negotiate that to make it a passive income property? Can it be sub to purchase? Can it be owner financed? Can it be, will it cash flow positively as turned as a rental so or a lease option or whatever those scenarios are? So again, if your long-term gains passive income, you need to learn how to engineer transactions. So you guys now, clearly you had pretty cool lives before you got into real estate. I mean, being a professional athlete, which I made a crack at you earlier about getting cut, but I mean, I can't hit a ball at all. I mean, you know. And, or shoot a hockey puck. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, you had pretty good lives, but how did real estate change your life? Like getting in this game, what did it mean to you? Like how did it really change where you are that's, today? That's actually a really good question. For me, it's um, freedom. Right, so every morning I have three kids. So every morning I could get up. I I literally have. I don't eat three breakfasts, but I feed them every morning, and I have breakfast with each and every one of them. And I have the ability after school too to get them off the bus if I choose to. So that's for me is it's really what real estate's given me is the freedom, creating your own schedule. Yep, awesome. I say exactly the same thing. So I'm single mother of three for 10 years with no co-parent. And so I couldn't imagine any other career that gives me the ability to have the flexibility that I need to have. And so and they range from 11 to 20. So I have three different, very different uh, avenues yes. of lives that they're all into and different interests. And so I, again, there's nothing else I could do. Um, I could go back to corporate. I've done the corporate thing, but I would never see my children. So real estate enables Freedom yeah. of choice. Allows more time with your family. Freedom of choice. Vacations and things like that. I would say that is one of the biggest common denominators of everybody that's ever been on this show, including right. myself, that unless you really want to miss it, you've never missed a kid's sporting event, right. any of their plays, any of their concerts. You can pick them up from school. You can drop them off at school. Yeah. And I wouldn't know any other way because it's been so long since I've worked in just corporate America where you have to be there on the grind right. every day. Sure. So, guys, it has been awesome having you here. I have learned a lot. I can tell you that. I mean, this was definitely, I'm, I hope that we brought it down enough so everybody understood it and it didn't scare everybody to death, but it is an amazing, amazing thing you guys are doing and it is the future. And I think that, you know, three, four years from now, when people look back at this, it's almost like talking about the internet back in 1998. <laughs> so this has been the Real Estate Investing Roundtable. I'm your host, Rob the House Guy. And remember, nothing works unless you do. This episode is brought to you by RealFlow, the smart way to invest in real estate. All the tools you need to automate lead generation and marketing. If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to leave us a review and subscribe.